y'all can be seated. This is a, this is a time when we love to sing these Christmas carols. That's one of my favorites, Joy to the World. I I, I love it for a lot of reasons. I, you know, there's probably several favorites in my in my collection or in my playlist on on Christmas carols that I I, I like. But I want to know what yours is. Think about what is your favorite Christmas. Carol. And, and, and by the way, Planet Kids or kids in the room today, if you, we're going to play a little game, okay? So you participate in this and you count the number of times that I say carols. So far, I've said it four times, all right? So you get to keep track. You get to look, get mom and dad to help you tally and pay attention and listen closely and tally every time I say carols, all right? So that's number five. So okay, you keep you keep track of those as we go. And whenever you're done at the, end, at the end of the service today, if you're within a margin of error, we have a statistical person in the room counting every time I say carols. So uh, whenever we're done, I don't even know how many times I'm going to say carols, but uh, whenever I'm done, you can go to the back and in the gallery area, I'll be hanging out back there. And there's a, there's a prize for, uh, for all those who get within whatever that margin of error is. Uh, so, all right, uh, that's a Planet Kids kind of thing. So be paying attention to that. But I like back on this joy to the world Carol that that we um, that we sing. I love it because it calls us to the nations. It makes Jesus much bigger than just my family around the table or around the tree. Opening up gifts, joy to my world. No, it's joy to the world. It is a global calling. It's a global message, and I'm thankful I'm part of a global church that has already this past year sent out so many people. In fact, this time last year, we had this this goal out there of somewhere um, in the 90s, maybe ascending out, commissioning a number of people out to the nations. We ended up commissioning this past year. Uh, every year, this time, we kind of refocus and recalibrate around it. We ended up sending out 33% more people than we anticipated to the nations on all of our global adventures. And so it's just pretty exciting to see our footprints. And we're just not going as, as some kind of God tourist or something like that. We're going to share this message in the carol, Joy to the World. And trying to get that message of joy to the nations. Now, this next year is a year of exploration. We're going to be going to about five or six different or four or five different countries we've never even gone to, 11 different teams, nine different countries. We're anticipating seeing out about 115 different people. So commissioning them to the nation. So if you're interested in that and you get to be a part of that, even in, as, as we take up our offering a little bit later on, a portion of your offering helps to send our people uh, to the nations. And get this Christmas carol that we are singing about today that we've been singing about for weeks now. We're trying to get this message to the nation, all right, to the nations of the world and to the peoples of the world because when they talk about Christmas, we're talking about Christ worship. That's exactly the etymology of the word. We're talking about worshiping Christ, worshiping him well. And so when we talk about Christmas carols, we're just talking about singing about the message of God that is inside of us, that God has put in his presence in us. And so be thinking about this. 54% of Americans, Gallup says, uh, will sing Christmas carols. I don't even know how many that is now, uh, but uh, singing Christmas carols this, this, this year. So be thinking about what is your Christmas carol, your favorite one. Now, here's a question. To just show you how much we like singing these songs, okay? Uh, uh, how many of y'all have been listening to Christmas carols or Christmas music since before Thanksgiving? Raise your hand. All right, some of y'all read up really fast. Like you're confident and proud, I'm bold. And now, 
I'm not going to ask the spouse if they've enjoyed it as much as you have. But how many of y'all have been listening to it? Now, that's before Thanksgiving. Okay, that's not even, that's, uh, is that legal? I, I don't know. What's legal? What's the legal limit on, on Christmas uh, carols and singing? Uh, but uh, that was, how many of y'all even before that, maybe even before Halloween, you broke out the Okay, those two same people right there. Raise their hands. Raise your hand. All right, all right. So the, the, clearly the statute of limitations or however long you can listen to Christmas carols is, is, is quite, quite broad. Uh, now, some may need therapy because they've heard the same songs over and over and been uh, berated with them. But the thing is, we love them. And again, when we come back to the fact that we're talking about Christ mass, Christ worship, and we're singing about him, I'm, I'm going to give you and some of y'all are not going to like me, but I'm about to say, I'm going to give you freedom to listen to it year-round, all right? You have freedom uh, in Christ to, to listen to it year-round. Now, you don't, may not be married at the end of that year, but uh, you can listen to Christmas carols. And the very first Christmas carol that was ever written was written by Mary in Luke chapter 1. You can read it for yourself. She wrote her first... Now, she had a little unfair advantage. She had nine months to think about that, okay? She had uh, before anybody else. About, about 60 or 62 AD, we get introduced to another Christmas carol, okay? I, I don't know. I call it Christmas carol because, again, it's about Christ. It's about worship, and it's about, about singing to Him. We don't know. Did they chant it? Did they? Uh, was it some mantra? Was it, was it some chant? Uh, what was it that they... How did they communicate this? It's a bit of poetry. It has stanzas to it. It has deep, rich theology, just like all of the songs that we just sang about today. I want you to find in your Bibles the book of Colossians. If you haven't been with us for the past uh, several months, we've been studying through the book of Colossians. You might be looking for the book of Colossians. It looks like the book of Colossians, but it's Colossians, okay? Um, so if you're looking for Colossians, uh, look for that, find that. We're going to be in chapter 1. I've been saving this passage of Scripture in our study through Colossians for today. It's almost like a Christmas present. We've been wrapping it back up, holding on to it, putting it under the tree, ready to share it with you on this day, knowing that this day was coming in anticipation. So we have gone all the way through Colossians. We are now in chapter 4 and we'll finish chapter 4 next month. But I, I want us to come to chapter 1. So I want us to end the series in essence today where Paul begins. And just to give you kind of the backdrop for Paul is writing this letter. It's a it's a long letter. I mean, not as long as some of the ones he written, but he, he writes this long letter because that's how you communicated back then. And he writes it to this place that is in the middle of Turkey, modern day Turkey today, Asia Minor in that day. And he writes it to this, this, this little town that probably he's never even gone there to. He was in Ephesus, and in Ephesus there was a guy named Epaphras, and Epaphras becomes a believer, and Epaphras is from, from, uh, from, uh, from uh, Colossae, and he goes back, and he helps start this church, this group of believers that are meeting there. And there's other believers that we know from, from there, Onesimus and uh, Philemon. Philemon has even a letter written to him. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of Bible history tied into the, to, this, to this letter. But beyond that, in the middle, in the very beginning of middle of chapter 1, but in, in, in chapter 1, he writes this, this hymn, and he puts it out there, this carol, if you will. And he puts it out there because there's confusion had slipped in. Some disbelief had slipped in. 
Even though Epaphras had gotten, had given him great theology, there was other false teachings that had crept in and that were watering down, melting down, diluting who Jesus was. And what Paul does is he, no, 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 no. Let's recalibrate here. Let's refocus here. Just like some of y'all are going to do in a week from now. You're going to write out a New Year's resolution. You're going to, I got to recalibrate. I got to refocus. I got to get back in line. I got to get back in touch. I got to get back my, 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 my old self. I got to get rid of some of this old stuff. I got to, I got to, I got to fix some things in my life. Well, what Paul does, he tries to bring it back. He says, no, no, no. Let's focus. And he gets us to focus by quoting us a carol. In Philippians, in Colossians chapter one, let's, let's begin reading and follow along as I read. And you'll just see real quickly that he is, he is as Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. The firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things are created in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible. There are things out there we don't even know. We haven't even touched. Scientists hasn't un- uncovered planets that the, uh, that, that the satellites have not reached. And there are so many things that are invisible out there. Well, guess what? Jesus is over those. Whether thorns or dominions or rulers or, 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 or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him, this is the this is the the the, the Christmas carol, if you will, that is spoken out. In him, all things hold together, and he is the head of the uh, the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything, everything, he might be preeminent, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. There is one of the first Christmas carols ever chanted, ever quoted, ever written, poetry, words from the heart to understand who Jesus is. And I just want to, I want to pull back some layers of this great carol. And I want us to see and, and understand a little bit more about what, what, what was Paul trying to say? How do we center our life on Christ? How do we get our life in tune with him? So he's more than a babe wrapped in a manger, but he's who he is. Let's start with this. We got to understand the person of Jesus. Who is Jesus to you? Think about that. Who is Jesus to you? What do you know about Jesus? What have you experienced? What have you tasted and smelled and touched and heard? How have you heard Jesus speak to you? And guys and gals, we got lots of views and opinions on who Jesus is. How do you know Jesus? For, for some people, they, they, they like their Jesus uh, in a tuxedo t-shirt where he's a little formal, but he's ready to party. Or, or, or some people, maybe your kids like him as, uh, as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. Or maybe, maybe you like Jesus, little meek and mild, laying in a manger. That's, that's your idea of little, little cute Jesus. And you're going to pray to little cute baby Jesus because that's the Jesus you like. Man, there's so much more to Jesus. There's so much more that we cannot miss who Jesus is. And if we get this one right... 
Man, it will change everything else. Listen, for somebody in this room, in fact, somebody in the last service that came up to me in the last service at the end of it, they spoke immediately what I was saying, and I want to say it here in this service as well. For some of you in this room who have dealt with cancer, who've lost a family member, or maybe, 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 maybe you're living right now with something that you can't get physically past, and, and you're, 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 you're living in every single day, every single day, you're going, God, give me one more day. God, give me one more hour. God, give me one more holiday. And God is graciously extending your life one more day. You know what? You've learned to experience God as Jehovah Healer. Yeah, you, you perfectly make it. Well, listen, we're all going to die. So it's not a matter of erasing death. We're all going to experience death. But the reality is that if God's given you another day and you've experienced some form of a sickness, you know full well what it's like to walk under the grace of God. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you go, man, this past year I lost my job or I got relocated. And it was either relocate or lose my job. And you're like, man, if I lost my job, I could go one month and one month only. I'm one paycheck away from bankruptcy. And you know God is your provider. And you may have never said that. You may have never honored Him in that way. But you know full well, if you were honest with your soul, that God is your provider. And you know what? We, we, we want you to experience and to know God in His fullness. And He even teaches us to pray, oh God... Pray this way. He even tells us, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know that prayer. We we quote that prayer. But he says, give us this day our daily bread. You know God as your daily bread provider. You know, this coming year, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to start a series of messages literally in the first of the new year called Fuel. That when you add fuel to your life, fuel being prayer, you increase the capacity of your life. When we have prayer in our life, it is a fuel to our soul, to our life. We're able to go further. We're able to see further. God can expand our borders. God can grow our souls. God can do so much in us. When we engage and have communion with Him in a prayerful conversation with Him, He can do incredible things. In fact, we're starting the new year. We're literally saying, hey, why don't you pray for the first 21 days? And we're calling you if you want to sign up for a prayer text or a prayer email that every day at 714, you're going to get a prayer email. Say, hey, I start work before then. Well, set your own reminder on your own phone and your own reminder on your calendar. But we're asking you, we're going to encourage you, we're going to prompt you to be a person of prayer so we can see fuel added to your life, capacity to grow your life. God wants to show himself to you. But sometimes we just keep him meek and mild laying in a manger. If you're here today and you've experienced betrayal, you, you experienced somebody doing that something in your life that you never thought that they would do, and that somebody did what you never thought that they would do, they did it to you. And right now you feel like your best friend has literally stabbed you in the back, 
You've been left behind. And this may be something that happened last night, last year, last decade, but you're still living with it. And you're wondering, how in the world, how can I trust anybody? How can I be in relationship with anybody? But yet you have realized because you've experienced Jesus that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is a carol of your soul. And you've experienced him that way. My friends, I'll tell you this. You've experienced Jesus on a deeper level. Look at verse 15 because you're going to experience Jesus. I, I pray that he's not just a little Jesus meek and mild. I pray so much more. Look at everything he defines as. He is the image of the invisible God. He is before all things. He is the head of the body. He is the beginning. He literally goes through the scriptures and he defines in a matter of verses just a few things that Jesus is. He is above all things. He is, above, he is the fullness of God. He is the deity. He is before all things. He is the head. He is the beginning. I want to know, who is Jesus to you? Whenever Moses was, a, was, was struggling with what God was calling him to do, whenever God was calling him to go and to talk to the Pharaoh, the king of the land, and demand, hey, let my people go, what did, what did Moses say? Excuse number one, excuse number two, excuse number three. He just started railing off on excuses. Why? Because he had a little God. Here, hear what I'm about to say. He had a little God. His idea of God was this. God wanted to grow his idea of God as this. So what does God say? Go and tell him, I am sent you. I am? Yeah, I am who I am. I am who I am. Whatever you're going to need, if you're going to need confidence, Moses, I'm going to be your confidence. Hey, Moses, if you're going to need a speech, if you're going to need to be able to speak to the king, hey, I'm going to provide for you a a person to speak to the king. If you need anything, Moses, if you need wisdom, I'm going to give it to you. That's what Solomon prayed. God gave it to him. I'm going to be whatever you need me to be if you let me be in your life. But if you keep God in the manger, and that's all he is to you, then what you're going to do at the end of this holiday is you're going to put him in the attic and then you're going to pull him back out next Christmas. And you're going to put him back in the attic and you're going to pull him back out next Christmas. I encourage you to get to know who Jesus is. Uh, In fact, here's an assignment for you. In the next 24 to 48 hours, I want you to find some space, some solitude, some quiet spot. And I want you to answer one simple question. Who is is Jesus to me. And then I want you to start writing your first carol to God. Your first carol. This morning I was doing this myself. And I came to one verse. In a verse that I didn't even put in, in verse 17 it says this, "And he is before all things and in him all things hold together." And I was thinking about my last year. And there are certain times in my life that I go, oh my gosh, I am not going to make it. There were moments emotionally where I went some dark depression and I was ready to quit, run away, walk away. I don't know where I was going to go, but I was ready to go somewhere. And God just reminded me this morning, I'm the God who holds you together, Mike. Who is Jesus to you? Now, here's what I want to do. I want you to tell the world. 
I want you to write your carol and tell the world of how Jesus has been in your life this past year. And when you do that, go on that social media and tell the world that way. And then hashtag us in it, attach us to it. Because here's what would be beautiful is if out of this gathering today, out of the hundreds and potentially thousands of people who will hear this message online, who will watch this message online, who will be a part of these services, listen to this, wouldn't it be awesome that a chorus of carols be lifted to Jesus declaring who Jesus is in your life? There's 117 names for Jesus in the scripture. Who is Jesus to you? Once you get who he is and you understand that he's not just a little Jesus meek and mild, then you can set your sight on him. Let him become the priority of who you are and what you do. The priority of Jesus. Notice that everything that Paul writes there, everything in that hymn is leading up to one thing, that in everything, verse 18, that in everything he might be, preeminent. He might be the first place that he might be not second place. Listen, what do we say about second? Second is the first last. Jesus is not going to be second to anything. Remember, he's the invisible God. He's the one who holds it all together. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of creation. he's, He's this. Look at verse 16. For by him, all things were created. Listen, he's the creator of it all. In heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. There's nothing that doesn't exist. That it doesn't exist because of him. And notice this. It's not only created by him, it's created for him. That is why we exist. And I, uh, our life and our priorities need to be set on him. And how do we do that? When he becomes first in our life. And here's just a statement that I make often. is I want to give God the first part of every day. I want to give God the first day out of every week. I want to give God the first dime out of every dollar. And I want to give God the first thought out of, every consider, uh, out of all my considerations and all my decisions. He's the first. He's the first. He's the first part of my day. I start every day with this book and a cup of coffee. And sometimes the coffee does come first, though. But the coffee and the Bible, right there, meeting with him in my quiet place of solitude. I give him the first day out of every week. This time, this place, in this family, that is a priority above all other things. I want to be able to tell people, no, I can't because I have a commitment to worship with my family. The first dime out of every dollar. This is something that Lori and I have committed to long before we were ever married. And we've committed even this past week to pray and to think and we've discussed what is it that that God wants us to give over and above to our Christmas offering. And those who aren't, aren't here uh, or maybe out, out, from out of town, our Christmas offering this year is going in three different buckets. Everything that's put in the offering basket today uh, is going to go in three different directions. One, it's going to support the ministry that we do here in Northwest Arkansas. Two, it's going to support uh, our, our members who go to the nations around the world. And I already talked about that earlier. And then it's also going to help Syrian refugees in Athens, Greece, 50,000 of them that are displaced, have been uprooted, have been torn up from their homes to live. How? 
I don't know where. They don't know. They're just trying to survive. And we want to come in. We want to give them a pair of shoes and a blanket, some hygiene kit. And we want to, as a church family, provide for 2,800 of the 50,000. So it's not even a drop in the bucket, but maybe, maybe, maybe a pair of shoes and some energy bars and some hot tea and maybe, maybe a setting down, giving that an opportunity to live with a little bit of dignity can make a huge difference in their life. Now, I love it that our, even our kids' men ministry has been all over this and how they took it up on themselves to take up their own offering and they have collected in the past four weeks $400. That's pretty impressive for some kiddos, right? One little girl, Lauren, she gave her all of her tooth fairy money. Yeah, I stole my heart too. Another couple of brothers took their piggy banks and just turned them over and emptied them out. This is mama taking a photo of it, saying, I'm giving everything I have to the Syrian refugees, to the children, to the, to the, to the needs that our church has identified. I got to thinking, man, to have the faith of a child to go, God, everything I have, everything I have. And then I thought about the early church. That's exactly how they lived. They were selling their possessions, they, all their belongings, and distributing the proceeds as any had need. How does that start? That starts when I understand the vastness of Jesus. I set him as my priority. And at that point, I can begin to anticipate the peace of Jesus. Jesus is more than a baby that kids can come listen to a story. He is the one who brings peace in a sea of violence. Man, do we not see the violence in our day? But Jesus brings peace to our troubled world. The present reality is you have violence and you meet violence with violence. Violence fights violence. That's the present reality. Racism stirs up more racism. Whites against blacks, blacks against Hispanics, Hispanics against whomever. You just, you just name the ethnicity. You just name the socioeconomic. You just, there's, there is racism and there is socioeconomic divide and there's this violence. There's, there's, a, there's a religious divide. Violence meets violence. What does Jesus do? Violence meets reconciliation. That is an augmented reality. That is a better reality. We're even in the new year going to talk about mosaic. It's a series of messages just on how God takes our brokenness and creates beauty out of it. And God takes the brokenness of humanity and he makes it beautiful again. And how does he do this? Verse 20. Look at verse 20 and I'm finished. Verse 20. He does it through violence, through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This carol, this first century carol, speaks of Jesus' coming, the invisible becoming visible, speaks of him dying. He meets violent death. Violence is given, but violence is not given back. Peace is given. Reconciliation is given. What Jesus does on the cross is he invites us in. 
He embraces us instead of rejecting us. A missionary that we support every week, I don't want to mention his name and I cannot mention his location for security reasons, but I talked to him two weeks ago on the phone. And he told me where he is living, all around him are refugees. Every country that of the, of the team of missionaries that he works with, every country around him in the Middle East is nothing but covered. They, they, were, they weren't going there to do refugee work, but refugee work has come to them. And they're experiencing it constantly in the nations from Iraq, from Syria, from all over. He said, Mike, the work is incredible. The magnitude of the work is incredible. He said, but the work of God is even as incredible. He said, there's two things I want to tell you, Mike. I want to tell you these two things, and I'm going to pray. I thought, one, Mike, there's a number of these Syrian Iraqi refugees, and they're saying this, thank God for ISIS. Thank God for ISIS. And he said, because of ISIS, their eyes are open. Their heart is open. Because if this hatred out there is out there and that's what, 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 what is, to offer, is offered in their faith, they're not interested in it. They're not interested in their faith if their faith promotes and, and encourages this anger and violence on top of violence. They don't want anything to do with it. And they say, thank God for ISIS because now we are hearing your message. The second thing he said is thank God for Christians. Many of these of their faith have gone to other countries and they've gone to their brothers and their brothers have shunned them. He said, but it's been the Christians who've come with a pair of shoes, who've come with a warm embrace, who've come and sat down and had coffee or tea with us. It's been those that have welcomed us. And there's a church of 200 right now meeting in Athens, Greece. All of them are Muslims, but they're coming to hear about Jesus like never before. You know what? When you come to the message of Christmas, it's much bigger than joy to my world. It's joy to the world. And we get to be a part of it. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray together as we sing, as we come, as we, as we reflect, as we take time to to look into this beautiful Christmas carol. May we see Jesus like never before. That He's the invisible God. He's the one who holds our worlds together whenever it seems like it's crumbling apart. He's the one who's our provider. He's the one who's our healer. He's Who is Jesus to you? Once you experience Him, with all your heart, every bit of who you are, give him first place. And then watch the peace of God, the peace of Christ begin to fill your heart and your mind. Father God, this is not just Christmas Eve. This is Christmas life where we want to worship you. We want to worship you, Lord, in all that you are. 
thank you for being the great, full presence of God in our life. May we know you today. And Lord, even as we take up our offering and we collect our offering and we give it to you, Lord, giving you first place, may you, Lord, find honor in what we give you now. First place in what we give you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Our ushers are going to come at this time and we're going to continue right on worshiping through our giving and through our singing.